Let's foray into Nevada's wild spaces. This is a half an hour adventure with the Nevada Department of Wildlife. This is Nevada Wild. Here on this Welcome to Nevada Wild, brought to you by the Nevada Department of Wildlife. I'm Ashley Sanchez, here with Erin Keller, and today we have a full house here on Zoom. We have Endow's Benny Van, who's down, he's down at our Overton Wildlife Management Area. We have Stan Hardy, and we'll get into who he is in a second. And then we have Terry Knight with the USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service, so NRCS as they're known as. So um, thank you all for being here. We usually don't have this many people, so it's kind of exciting. Thank you. Happy to be here with you. Great, we're happy to have you. And I wanna get into, um, first off, we're going to get into this very valuable partnership for all of us, for Endow, for NRCS, for Stan and his family's farm. But um, so let's get into, Benny, do you want to start? I just want to talk to each person about who they are and what exactly they do in their role in this partnership. And then we'll get into all the details of what the partnership is exactly. So Benny, do you just want to explain your role at Endow and what you do down in Overton at Overton Wildlife Management Area? Sure, I'm the wildlife area manager down here at Overton Wildlife Management Area. Uh, manage the area here that's 18,000 acres overall, and we've got ponds, what we call bulrush, which is a marsh, and then some ag fields on the area. Very cool. And then, so Stan, what is your role then? You have a farm down there, or could you explain the situation? Sure. Uh, majority of the place is in natural type of habitat or the bulrush ponds, but running down through the center of the, the area is some agricultural area that's uh, added or uh, feed for the birds. And it's uh, pretty expensive for the machinery and they're not really set up to do that. So they kind of share crop that out. And uh, down here we raise mostly alfalfa and cereal grains, small grains but uh, have a lease with Endow and I run just strictly the, the ag part of it. Benny runs everything, but I take care of the, the farming part of it and then he does the rest and we kind of work together to try to make the food plots, the feed available and coordinate timing around the, like even like for the turkey hunt, the turkey hatch or the hunts, whatever, so that uh, we can max maximize the amount of uh, high quality or good times for the for the wildlife, whatever that may be. Okay, yeah, I want to come back to that and get more into what exactly um, you do and how this benefits all of our agencies. Um, it's really a win-win partnership for everyone involved. So, um, but first, I want to talk to Terry about what you do and um, NRCS's role in this. Well, thank you for having me, Ashley. I'm um, pleased to be here today. NRCS, Natural Resources Conservation Service, is one of 17 agencies within the department, U.S. Department of Agriculture. And so our role is to help America's farmers, ranchers, and forest landowners, private landowners, conserve the nation's soil, water, uh, plants, air, the natural resources of our land. Our programs are all voluntary 
And what we offer is science-based solutions to resource problems that benefit the landowner and the environment. And in this situation, um, you know, the wildlife that are using the Pacific Flyway and taking advantage of this um, really interesting management area in Southern Nevada. Got it. Okay, so what I'm hearing here is we have this um, agriculture piece of this, and then we also have the wildlife piece of it. So together, we're taking care of all of that. Could someone explain that exactly? I don't know if I'm summing it up well. <laughs> much sums it up. Uh, the wildlife management area is primarily focused on waterfowl and, wa and waterfowl migration here at Overton is more specific, but uh, the wildlife areas, we provide habitat for all species of wildlife, mainly birds here, but uh, we have like turkeys, quail, dove come in and uh, all the songbirds, a lot of shorebirds that come through. During the fall, we have the migration, winter migration for waterfowl to come through and this is a wintering ground. So they'll either come here and stay through the winter or they, it's a stopping point for their migration further south. Okay, and then for people who don't know, I don't know if everyone listening even knows where Overton Wildlife Management Area is. Where is it exactly? So we're 75 miles, about 75 miles northeast of Las Vegas, uh, close to the Utah border. We're in the lower Moapa Valley region, just south of Overton. It also extends over into the lower Virgin Basin on the north end of Lake Mead. Pretty, I was going to say it's a pretty unique spot. Um, it's uh, not necessarily what you would think when you think of Las Vegas or just north of Las Vegas. So um, yeah, pretty cool looking country and, and definitely the work that these guys are all doing is definitely needed down there. Well, when you think about it, uh, we're in a a desert area where everything around us is desert. There's no, haven't had rain since April and we're at a wetlands. So we're in an area where the muddy river flows into the lake and water is what makes this place go. And it's uh, unique because there's nothing like it really close. So it's kind of a little oasis in the middle of the desert. And it's, uh, it's different when people come down and see it for the first time, I think they're kind of taken away that there is as much habitat and wildlife here in this small area of the desert. That, that's a great point. Um, maybe you guys could talk a little bit about how how we manage some of that water in the desert and why that's so important for kind of where you guys are located. Well, I'd say for the farm end for sure, it's where the NRCS comes in. The farm had been put together years ago as it came in and was kind of roughed in. The water conservation wasn't great. The fields weren't leveled that real good. And it's kind of a process, an expensive deal that I couldn't do by myself. And Endow didn't have the funding to do it. And that's where Terry came in. NRCS has the ability to provide the science or the, the make the plan for us on what we need to do, how we need to do it. And then with me being a private partnership, uh, Lisi over the, the place, I actually qualify for some funding and that's another big part that comes in is that NRCS helps fund these projects a percentage of them, which I couldn't do on my own. So not only do they come down do the survey and help us lay out the fields, put them together, then they come through and kind of hold our hand and do, do all of that stuff. And there's, there's literally a book of maps that they put together for utilizing the water to the best ability that we can because we are limited with water here by the time we try to farm and then fill the bulrush ponds and the other ponds 
we maximize the water to what's there. And so we're trying to get the best habitat we can for the money. And I think that with Terry's help, NRCS and Benny's help, and then my little section of it, you know, I'm, I'm the farmer, Stan, is that uh, I'm only farming 150 acres, but that produces a lot of feed for the birds to come out of the wild area and come into there and feed. And at the same time, I get to keep the soil going good and conserve the water. And I think that's the number one thing that this place needs is the water. And um, so we actually got the idea for this podcast. I just brought it up because um, someone with NRCS, she had sent us this awesome story map of this video you guys all put together on the partnership. And I'm going to be including the links to both of those in this podcast. And Stan, um, you mentioned how, I mean, this is a great partnership. It's completely benefiting everyone involved. And um, it also has very personal meaning to you, this whole project and the farming down there. Could you explain that? Yeah, I can. But, you know, over the years, they've tried to farm it. And it's kind of a, it's like too little to be big and too big to be little for one thing. So the people over the years have had a hard time doing that. And for my entire life, I've, kept in the back of my mind that I'd like to come here because on the north end of the facility is called the Honeybee Ponds and originally that was Angel Ranch. My grandfather on my mother's side was actually owned that when they put the dam in to make the lake. He was the last ranch that was bought out going north and so I've always had like a desire to come back and try to help improve this place and Things just kind of worked out about eight years ago and we started on it and we did. So I feel like that not only do I enjoy the farming part of it, but I'm kind of, we farm, our farm moved up the valley 10 miles to the other end where they moved all the water from this area when they put the lake in. And so we're farming both ends of the valley now and it's just a little bit of coming home. I think my grandpa passed away, obviously he'd be 100 and I don't know, 20 or something now but i think he's looking down smiling thinking that we're we're doing something with his old ranch and so for me there's i not only love the farm i love the fact that i'm farming where grandpa farmed and everything's benefiting from it so i've, I've had that personal uh connection with uh, the ranch and i think that's maybe why i'm a little bit passionate about making it look good exactly i love that aspect to all of this. So it's pretty cool. And I encourage everyone who's listening to check out, um, it's a entire story map where you could see all of the background and quotes from everyone we have here. And then um, a video, there's also a video done on this partnership. So if you're enjoying listening to everyone here, you'll also want to check out those. I have, I have to say, Ashley, for me, um, the first time I was on the marsh area with Benny and um, Stan in particular, he took me out and showed me the, what was left of the old original farmstead, ranch house. It was just, you know, the foundations, um, you know, and it gives you such a great connection to the overall long-term multi-generational story of Overton and Logandale to be out there. And, um, and I do feel like his grandpa is watching over us while we work out there. It's, it's, a nice, um, it's a nice blessing to have when you're working on a project is to have somebody's grandpa watching you, <laughs> making sure there's success. And when, you, when a project like this gets off the ground and it starts rolling, it just makes everybody want to do more and make it nicer over the years. And you guys have definitely put a lot of work into that place for sure. 
And I think that's a good spot. We're actually out of time for the first part of the show. So that's a good spot to leave off. We'll be right back after this quick break. You're listening to Nevada Wild. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, leave us a review on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information on hunting, fishing, boating, and all things wildlife, go to endow.org. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Nevada Wild. Today we have a full house. We have Stan Hardy, who has a farm on Overton Wildlife Management Area. We have Benny Van with Endow. And we have Terry with NRCS, and um, we're talking about this partnership that really benefits everyone involved. So, um, Benny, we talked a lot with Terry and Stan before the break, and I just wanted to ask you as a wildlife manager, um, how does this, how has this partnership benefited you? So our benefit to it is reality is we don't have the manpower or the funding to farm the land like would, we really would need to. So that's where Stan comes in by having him lease and share crop out the farm portion of it. It really benefits Endow in general by him. He takes care of all the farming aspect of it. We just assist in some technical stuff and it just really, it's, it's beneficial for the wildlife. It's beneficial for the sportsmen and it's beneficial for what our goals are as a wildlife management area, which is to provide habitat for wildlife. Got it. And Stan, that kind of tra transitions into what you were telling us um, during the break. You were telling us just how many layers there are to all of this and how much um, this has helped, especially having Terry involved with NRCS to assist in making this all happen. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm not sure how many places are like this. The Endow actually leases also. They, they lease from the uh, National Park Service, so they have a, a layer over them, and they're there, and I'm here, and there's a lot of government layers in there. So when we do something, there naturally is a lot of paperwork or a lot of things to be done, and Terry comes in, steps in, and helps with that because she has the, the knowledge, the ability, and the contacts, I guess. And for example, before we started some of the land leveling projects in the, the water delivery systems, even though we've been farming these fields, somebody's been farming them probably since the 40s, we had to do an archeological study because of the history of this place with the Lost City down here. And it took a while, but Larry, Terry got the state archeologist to come down. He spent, I think three days just doing that, writing up the report, which we didn't have the ability to do. Then she has the ability to bring her engineer down and do all the engineering and, and put it together. And typically, for whatever reason, the government agencies, it's hard for them, or I'm not sure if it's hard, but they, they work with, the government agencies work with private, private individuals and not with each other as much. So on this part of the facility, having Terry facilitate that and all of those layers and help fill out the paperwork and get everything done so it's almost like the permitting process just to get started and that was a great benefit to us to do because Benny and I neither one had the time nor the, the desire to, to walk through that so and I don't know it's kind of the bureaucracy side of it that uh, government stood in and stepped in and, and took care of it for us or helped us with that so 
it's 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 fairly complicated to do that when there's that many people involved. Exactly. I know. I'm my mind's spinning listening to you <laughs> explain all this. So Terry, do so, you want to add to that? Yeah, it is, it is complicated in this um, story in particular because we do have Lake Mead, which is a National Park Service um, entity, and then the wildlife area is a lessee essentially from them for the the whole wildlife component. Um, and anytime the um, federal government is looking at spending funds on a project, and for us, you know, with our farmers and our um, producers, is is that we're obliged on every project to follow National um, Environmental Protection Act um, regulations and policies, which would include endangered species and um, state historic and cultural heritage sites if they exist and so that's a big part of kind of the background that happens which with each and every producer is that we are doing all of the required environmental documentation for a project and make sure that nothing that we do would um, destroy or harm um, any kind of cultural heritage or um, any of our natural heritage so that was kind of going on in the background and, and it's um, it, you know, it's our requirement because we're the lead agency in this situation for putting funds out on the ground to a, um, a, a farmer is to make sure that all of the environmental concerns are taken care of and covered. Um, it's just a bit more complicated figuring out and um, figuring out the system and, and the layers of lessees in there so that we were um, coordinating with National Park Service and other federal agency, and then with NDOW to make sure that those wildlife components were also um, recognized and, and um, acknowledged in the environmental compliance work. And, and so there was some upfront months spent doing that, and we do have um, archaeologists on staff, and we have, um, as, as Stan said, as once we got the okay and was we were okay to go, and that we weren't having any um, impacts on those um, environmental components is that then we could start looking at what to design and how to address the resources for Stan and for the wildlife management area. Okay, well, I'm glad you guys were able to all come together and make it work out. So, Aaron, is there something you wanted to say? Yeah, I was just gonna say, I think Terry brings up a great point that, you know, it's not just going out there and, and tilling up the ground and, and getting it done right at the beginning. Right? There's a lot of planning. There's a lot of um, people involved. And there's people involved from, from NDAO. There's people involved from, from NRCS. And then there's, um, there's volunteers involved at some point um, to make something like this a real success, whether that's for hunting, for for farming or for the, the non-game species or, or just like the diversity of wildlife in Nevada. And I think watching through this video um, definitely brings brings to light how much work was actually done out there. Yeah, the, the, the lovely thing is that um, Stan is a very patient man. Mm -hmm. And while he had a long-term goal in mind on, on um, the wildlife area in his other farm uh, farming in the northern end of the valley is that um, he was very patient and he just said, you know, we'll, we'll get started, but you won't be doing anything probably for a year on the ground while we make sure all the, all of the documentation is appropriate. And, um, and he is very patient and, and, um, and, you know, it took us, took us a, close to a year, but we have had a terrific success. I'm, I'm 
I'm really thrilled with the work that's happened. Stan, it sounds like the wait was worth it. And Terry said it was a year. I think it was more like three years. So. <laughs> 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 we started because Terry and I were doing another project on the other end of the valley, and we did get it started within the year. But this one, it was it was a little longer. But the the, the big thing here, I think, is the fact that my goal when I came here was is that when people drive in, probably the first thing they do see is the farm because it's kind of in the front and the bull rush ponds are in the back. As people walk in, whether they're watching birds, walking their dogs, jogging, or they come to hunt, I want to, my, one of my goals was, and maybe it's vanity, I'm not sure, I speak right in it. I want them to look at it and say, wow, that's a nice place. I'm glad we have it. I wish I wish there was more places like this. And, and I told at the time, I think we started, Elmer Bull was in charge, and I told him, my goal was to have other entities instead of saying, why doesn't Overton do something? Why, why don't we get what Overton has? And I don't know that we're all the way there, but I think we're down the road a ways to where people look at it. As you look, if you look at the YouTube video that they made, uh, Steve Windish who's passed now, hunted here for 53 years. And he was um, one of the main guys that pushed me into coming down here because it is a, a challenge. But to watch him be happy and he's kind of my father's age and watch those guys go from being not so happy being here to being happy because the place looked good we can't control when the birds fly in and when they don't but we can control the home that we give them when they get here or the the the, the resident animals that are here so and i think benny probably brought it up a little bit is that Hunting is a big deal here, but it's not the only deal or maybe not even the biggest deal, the habitat for the year round. But we have people coming from all over the world to look at birds here, to watch and the locals come here to walk their dogs or jog in the off times. And it's just an oasis in the desert that doesn't exist anywhere else in the, in the southern, in this part of Eastern Clark County. Well put. Sam. Yeah, very well put. What's next? Terry or... Benny or Stan, anybody, do you, you know what's next out there? We're constantly trying to improve the area. There's a lot of maintenance on this area. We have a lot of invasive species with weeds and stuff. And that's one of the benefits with what Stan did is with this project with Terry and the NRCS is because they did this land leveling, the, the ground actually produces better, which helps control uh, invasive species of weeds, which is a huge benefit to end out and wildlife. And I would jump in and say we, we, we did several things to um, address the resource issues for Stan and for the wildlife area, but um, one is that we leveled the land. So when Stan was um, farming over the past decades or so, the topography of the land was um, irregular, so there were high and low spots. And so in those places, water would stop and maybe dam up, and then the alfalfa would get um, swamped out and you would get weeds or you would have a high dry spot and you would get weeds and so Stan was chasing the weeds with um, herbicides and so the land leveling not only does it help us conserve water by having the water move across the the soil and um, not erode away the soil but it also meant that he had to spend less time fiddling with these high and low spots and he had um, less time or he didn't have to spend money with herbicides anymore because we didn't have the weed issues. And so, you know, for the community, you know, you've got less water pollution and you have um, stand saving water overall and um, 
not losing soil and um, being far more efficient in his use of water. So the conservation measures are, are um, multiple in, in that, you know, he's less labor, less pesticide or herbicide use, um, and more time where crops are in the ground and the soil is um, becoming a much more sustainable resource in the land. I think a good example of that, just a little one, and, and it's actually a big one, is that the first few years I was here, we filled the bulrush ponds that were around the farming area, and some of the outlying ones maybe didn't get filled because there wasn't enough water. And Benny can tell you exactly, I guess, but I think for the last three years at least, all the ponds have been filled, and we haven't got any extra water. We just made better use of the water, so instead of some of the area being not used, and then you say, what's next? Well, it, at some point, I think that trying to catch our breath here from making a, about a five-year dash to get where we are. And in this area, if you don't maintain it, it goes backwards. So right now we're trying to keep what we have, improve some of our aging infrastructure that's there, also some of the water delivery systems and drainage systems. And at a point you get to where for a little while you just want to maintain and be, be as good as you are. And then who knows, something will show up, something's going to change and we'll come up with another idea and go. But I don't think at this point we have any major things, at least on my end, to do, finish up some of the stuff that we've started. But now we're on a, trying to maintain and then do those gradual improvements to, to keep it there because it, it never stays the same. It's either you're getting better or you're getting worse. So to maintain is to... In this case, to maintain a high quality is improving. Sounds good. If that makes and, sense. You know, yeah, it does. Yeah. And we're, it's sad, we're already running out of time, but um, Terry, is there anything else you want to say? Any resources you want to give the public so that people are aware of how they could get involved? So our, um, our customer is the agricultural producer. And um, we are always accepting applications for assistance. Um, and so that's not um, it, any window of time, it's every day of the year. And I'd welcome anyone to call if they've got agricultural land that they're working on and would like to have technical and or potentially financial assistance to um, give me a call or email me. And I can um, make arrangements and come visit the land and see what else we can um, learn about each other, what, what each other can offer. Well, I appreciate all of you for taking the time to talk with us. There's so much information there. So I also encourage people to check out the YouTube video that we'll provide at the at a link with this podcast and the story map. So thank you all for being here. Thank you, Ashley and Aaron. And thanks everyone for listening. That does it for this week's Nevada Wild. Join us again next week for our next adventure, Nevada Wild. It's a production of the Nevada Department of Wildlife.